One more in the back there. Sorry, the vase there. One more. Good job, kids. You may be dismissed to your class with, uh, with Adriana. Take your Bibles, please. Turn to Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter 12. We want to tell you all, moms, how much we, how much we love you. Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12. I have a, a unique a unique message for us here uh, this morning on, on Mother's Day. And I believe that it will be something that you and I can all, whether we're male or female in here, we can apply it uh, to, to our lives. And uh, I am borrowing a couple thoughts from a couple years ago for at least my introduction. And I just felt it was so fitting for for this particular text that I want to uh, preach from here this morning. But the title of our message this morning is, is The Joy and Sorrow of Mother's Day. The Joy and Sorrow of Mother's Day. Now, I'll be honest with you, Mother's Day is at times a very, is a very tricky holiday. Like any holiday, it is sweet for some, and then it is also bitter for others. And for some, it can be both. There's great joy and there's also, it's laced with some sorrow when it comes to Mother's Day, whether that was a child that has passed or whether it is a mother that's recently passed. And there's just, sometimes there's a mixture of joy and sorrow. I shared this about three years ago, uh, an assistant pastor's wife's testimony, and I want to read it again to you this morning. It says this, I remember feeling on the outside looking in on Mother's Day. First as a single woman, and then after I miscarried our first. Our church had an entrance near the nursery called the family entrance. She asked, could I use it? Were we a family? I finally just used it regardless, almost as an act of defiance. Now as a mother of a four-year-old and a six-year-old, I can deeply appreciate someone setting aside parking near an entrance that kept me from having to walk my toddler across a busy intersection. But at the time, I was dealing with the emotions that weren't swayed by practical realities. I just wanted to be a mom, and that sign at the church entrance reminded me that I was not. And so it is a challenging, it's a challenging holiday in general. I think there's a lot of mixed emotions that go on today, but I think particularly in Christianity. Because how do you honor someone who has something good that you want? How do you applaud the sacrifices of one, motherhood, without minimizing the suffering of the other? I do not know exactly the answer uh, to those questions, but I do think there is an overarching principle that I believe you and I, all of us, can take through it. And so if you're a male in here, try to apply it to kind of the, the manhood aspect. And this is that overarching principle. It is this, that motherhood is not the greatest good for the Christian woman. Whether you were a mom or not, do not get caught up in the feelings that set it up as some saintly type of role. The greatest good that we could ever perform is being conformed to the image of Christ and glorifying the Father. Now, motherhood is certainly a, um, a major tool 
that God uses in his arsenal for kind of the, the grand purpose, maybe for a woman, but it's not the end in and of itself. Can I generalize this for a moment for all of us in here? Being a parent does not make you holier or saintly. Believe me. I'll be honest with you. It seems to sometimes bring out the sinner side of me and the lack of holiness side of me. Being a dad exposes all of the ways that is kind of almost the opposite. And so you and I this morning, let's not, let's not elevate it to a level of that is more spiritual or that is more, um, you know, more, more pleasing to God. Not being a parent and longing to be one can do the very same thing. It can bring out sin. It can bring out uh, an unholy nature with which the way we live. And so, listen to me. Whichever side uh, you're on, in on it, trust me, both roles have a very unsaintly um, approach to it. Maybe you're a couple here and you, you long for pregnancy. I don't know if that is the case for anybody. But you're looking at parenthood maybe from afar. God sanctifies us through those types of longings as well. Some have lost a pregnancy or even a child, and they mourn the loss of their quote-unquote motherhood. And God conforms us to Christ through all of that kind of pain as well. And so this morning, by way of just introduction here, I want us to remember that the greatest good is being conformed to the image of Christ. It is about reclaiming the image that, that God, that, that, that has He created us to bear through the gospel of grace. And God uses both the presence as well as the absence of kiddos in your life to, it, it, to, as a primary tool of conforming us to Christ. And so I want to borrow a few things from a couple years ago, and I believe it's very, it's very timely for the text that we'll get into here in a moment. There are, there are three different types of women in here, okay? And I want you to know that we love every one of these types, but the first type is single women, single women. Those of you that are watching your biological clock, so to speak, tick away, I encourage you this morning to look to those longings through the lens of the gospel. You this morning, you do not need to deny your longing for marriage. You do not need to try to talk yourself up into a, you know, into a happy mood and talk about all the things that you can do if you didn't have kids and you know, all of this type of stuff. You don't have to do that. It's okay to mourn, in a sense, the loss of what maybe you don't have yet. God said children are a blessing. But after the fall in Genesis... We don't all get to experience that blessing. Sin came in and it changed, it, it changed things, okay? But the gospel, hear me, the gospel makes up the difference. While you and I are potentially disappointed in deep ways, and that disappointment is real, you will one day sit with Jesus in a heavenly, profound contentment, and you will be so content with his work in you and through even the disappointment that you might have. The Bible says in Philippians 1.6, let the gospel preach to you this morning, being confident in this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. See, when you get to heaven, 
You're going to have no longing for something that you missed. That longing is not wrong. No way. I'm not trying to say that. I'm actually trying to, in a sense, bring the comfort. I'm trying to get you to look at that through the lens of the gospel. But you and I, when we get to heaven, when we, when we realize that God's plan might be different for everybody, guess what? You will be content. You're not going to be disappointed when you're face-to-face with Jesus. So may, may, may confidence in that hope sustain you through this time. The psalmist said in Psalm 16, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And so to the single lady in our, in our church, let, 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 let Christ be enough. And those longings are normal. You don't have to try to fake it. Okay? And continue to ask God for His will to be done. Let me say secondly, that would be married women without children. Married women without children. May I encourage you with similar words. People can be very callous with what they say, can't they? And uh, like that, uh, like that illustration that I used from that assistant pastor's wife, just simply, simply a door that says family entrance. I mean, that can be very, that that can hurt people, and it's it just it's the nature of it. But believe in confidence that God in this very moment loves you with a deep love. Ephesians 3:17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye be rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. I mean, God's love is radical, it's deep, and it is high. And even right now, even though there might be some, some longings for children, God is, God is good. You may feel estranged from Him, knowing that He has the power to give you that sweet infant that He's given to so many others. It seems like he isn't dangling a desire right in front of you. But understand that the, fulfilled, the unfulfilled desire is simply a tool to draw you in to becoming more like Christ. Allow it to do what it needs to do. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says this, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Believe in confidence that this time of waiting is not just a holding pattern. It's not just something that that God is just toying with you. Believe it is a blessing, albeit in disguise at times, for sure, as it increases your strength to run and not grow weary, and to walk and not faint. Wait on the Lord. Wait in His confidence. So you've got single ladies here. You've got Married women that do not have children. And then let me tell you thirdly, you have moms who fail their children regularly. Guess what? That's everybody else in here. Right? As you got moms that fail your kids everyone uh, uh, regularly. Preach the gospel to yourself this morning. If you have any grasp of your reality, you're likely very painfully aware of how so often we come up short and we we, we, we tend to fail our kids. And maybe you're worried about the fears of future failures with them. It's okay that your children expose your weaknesses. Ah, that's pretty radical, but it's okay. It's okay that they expose your sin. 
In fact, it's the, it's the parent who doesn't think they ever do anything wrong that tends to alarm uh, me the most. Christ has made a way for you to be at peace. You and I, we rest in His righteousness. If you and I have the privilege so far in our life of already being a parent, you and I know that often will point us to the cross. At least it should because we, uh, we, we come up so short. And so that kind of brings us to our text. And I believe there are many, many texts in Scripture that apply to this day of, uh, of motherhood. But I want to I take, take a different angle with one, and that would be Romans 12, verse number 15. Romans 12, verse number 15. And here's our, here's our text for us this morning. It says, Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. So what does it look like for a follower of Jesus Christ to apply to our this verse apply this verse to our circumstances this Mother's Day? And really, I want to I want to apply it in a way where, uh, where where the male can say yes, I I need this, and then certainly uh, also the females in the room. First of all, you need to rejoice with those who rejoice. I heard someone say that our culture has a joy deficiency. I think you and I could probably attest that that is the case, that we have a joy deficiency. But here, let let, let me make this statement. Sin has confused us into believing that when the Lord withholds blessings from us, that we are being punished, forgotten, and not loved. That's our fallen. That, 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 that's the brokenness of this world. Sin enters in, and sin tells you, "Hey, you know what? When 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 you're going without, or you when you're being withheld something, it's just God punishing you. It's just God, you know, just giving you a sledgehammer." When we experience trials, we oftentimes prefer to stay in kind of a season of grief rather than ever rejoice and celebrate someone else's blessings. And so, no matter where you're at this morning on the map, this message is meant to hit you. No matter where you're at. No matter where you were at on the, on the map of those, uh, of those three types of uh, people that, that are in here, no matter where you're at, this message is meant to go right at you. Because in Romans 12, verse 15, it doesn't let you choose... Which side you want to live on? Okay, if you're in the if you're in the side of where you're weeping and you're longing and you're mourning things that maybe you don't have right now, guess what? You don't get to just live there. You're challenged to rejoice with them that rejoice. You're challenged to celebrate even what maybe somebody else doesn't have. But sin creeps in, and sin makes us very internalize we we internalize everything well how come i don't have that well how come they have that how come they're blessed with this how come i have to have miscarriage and if we're not careful we begin to compare ourselves yet paul says here that you and i if we're gonna it's actually in the text of overcoming evil we went through verse by verse through this chapter i don't remember what year that was i think that was last year that if you're gonna overcome evil what evil? And that, that, that in, interior, that, that thought process, guess what? You're going to have to also celebrate with those that can celebrate. 
though rejoicing on Mother's Day may seem impossible as we're in the thick of our pain, however, it is still an opportunity for Christ to enable us to love others in their joyous season of life. I feel like at times, just, just let me kind of just put a break on here real quick. I think at times in church, we have maybe not overemphasized, but we've emphasized to those of you that are celebrating, hey, have love and compassion for those that are weeping, right? We've really tried to do that. We've really tried to say, hey, man, this is a church where you can come broken. I love that song, and we can be mended. And, and, we've, and, and we've really, really emphasized in the church, hey, let's, let, 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 let's love them that are, that, 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 that are struggling and that, that are hurting. Well, let me say something really quick to you. If you're struggling and you're hurting and you're mourning and you're doing all those things, guess what? I'm challenging you this morning, and I'm challenging me and challenging us in seasons to come, because guess what? Our life, we get to go on both sides of these all the time. But if you're over here weeping, then guess what? You're challenged to rejoice with them that rejoice. Oftentimes, when we are weeping and we are sorrowful, we're just like, okay, who's, who's going to help me? Who's gonna? Again, I think church ought to be a place like that. But I believe it ought to also be reciprocated in, hey, you know what? I might be uh, weeping right now. I might be in the dumps a little bit right now. But you know what? I can rejoice with you. I can, I can rejoice with what God is doing because here's why. Colossians 3.16 says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. This whole text is about Christ. We don't have time to go through the, the whole context, but because all things are from Christ and because all things are through Him, because all things are for Him, we must be obedient in viewing others' victories as His grace upon their life. Pray for the power to renew your mind by thinking on what is right. On what is true. Philippians 4 8, Mike preached this. Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, pure, lovely, so on and so forth. Ask God to help you to think on those things. Think about the wondrous mercy and the grace that you have received as a redeemed daughter, son, child of the King. Fix your eyes on what Christ has done for you through His incarnation. What He's done for you in His sinless life and death and resurrection and then later ascension. If you find it difficult to focus your mind on rejoicing with individuals, rejoicing with their blessings, then you know what I want you to do? I want you to center your attention onto the whole of the body of Christ. The church is called the body of Christ. And Paul tells us in er, er, earlier in Romans, in our text of Romans 12, for as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. Here's simply what that means. What that means is, is that you and I, we are all a church and when someone is rejoicing you also can be rejoicing when someone else is weeping you also can be weeping we see on the uh, on the screens there we can rejoice with the blessings of our brothers and sisters in christ 
they have received without jealousy and anger. We can do that. Why? Because we know that they are given for the benefit of the entire body. And so you might be in that state of, you all following me? We okay? It's Mother's Day. I, I, I get it. It's, you know, it's, it's, we, we all want to go eat. Amen? Hey, you stay engaged. Well, trust me, I want to go somewhere today too, all right? Okay? Seriously. Okay, come on. We, 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 we're here? So if you're mourning, guess what? In the body of Christ, this is what's so important about a community. This is what's so important about you and I actually caring about the person across the seat from you. Is that when you're mourning, really, in the body of Christ, in the community of Christ, there are people in this body that are rejoicing, and you too are rejoicing. It's healthy for you and I to rejoice with them that rejoice. And obviously, our text goes to secondly, to weep with those who weep. It is central to our spiritual growth to understand that we do not have to downplay our strife, or ignore our suffering. There is nothing wrong with mourning the loss of a child, nothing wrong with mourning the loss of a mother or an empty womb. For those sufferings, this, for those that are suffering this holiday, we can be encouraged that the gospel makes up the difference for what is absent in our lives. Our Savior, He, he relates to our pain. Our Savior relates to our, to our suffering. He is described in Isaiah 53 as the man of sorrows. In verse 3 it says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Jesus understands. Perhaps the two greatest words in all of Scripture are found in John 11, verse 35, when it says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Fully God. I mean, take that in. Fully God, fully man, our Savior was not emotionless. Our Savior was not detached. He was deeply moved in His spirit. He was, he was greatly troubled, the Bible says. He was troubled as He stood at that tomb of His dear friend Lazarus. The Bible says in verse 33, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. In a sense, he was moved deeply in, inside, moved in his spirit. Now listen, Jesus could have chosen to retreat and mourn and grieve on his own. That's what some people do. Some of you are like, man, man, I can't let anybody see me cry. Suck it up. Bite my lip. Bite my lip. And then as soon as I get behind closed doors, come on. I know some of you like that, man. We're like, no one can see me cry. Hey, there were a lot of tissues used on Thursday. I don't know where Brother Dave's at, but there you go, buddy. Love you, man. But he didn't. He didn't remove himself. Public grieving moved those around him. They witnessed his grief. And they responded in verse 36. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. Can I encourage the rejoicing ones today? Don't run 
from someone that's grieving. Don't run from someone that is crying. We're a body, right? So when they're weeping and they're crying, we're one body. That's amazing doctrinal truth. I'll have to preach on it another day. It's amazing that we are one. We're one community. And sometimes when you are the rejoicing one and when everything's great and good, sometimes you'll see someone that's going through and say, Woo, man, we're going to go this way instead. Natural tendencies, I get that. Don't. Weep with them that weep. And those that you are weeping, don't just stay in the doldrums and try to pull everyone into your party. Rejoice with them that rejoice. It's the, it's the whole circle. Christ graciously invites us in... Matthew 11, to this amazing promise, it says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. By taking the gift of God's yoke, of Christ's yoke, you know what Christ does? Christ pulls our burdens with us. Oh, he doesn't do it apart from us. He does it with us. So our burdens, our burdens, the things that make us weep, are to be used as a reason to come to Christ. And what a privilege that you and I get to be tied to Him. Oftentimes we want to run from God. No, 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 no. Instead, you run to Him. What a great, great promise. And then let me say thirdly here, kind of just as a concluding thought here. We're almost done because you all are hungry. Amen? Okay, we'll just keep going. Number three, the intertwining of joy and sorrow. No matter which side of motherhood or just generally in life you are on Romans 12:15, it's applicable for you today. When we see our circumstances in view of God's mercies, we unite with others through their seasons of joy and sorrow, through times of rejoicing and weeping. Instead of being tempted to see God's good gifts to others through eyes of anger or jealousy or bitterness, you and I can become thankful because they're part of the body of Christ. Because you and I can understand that sometime I'm not always going to be on this side. There's going to be times where I am rejoicing and you are going to want others to rejoice with you. Let me say this. Because Christ experienced both rejoicing and weeping in his life here on earth, he knows the intertwining of joy and sorrow deeper than we ever will. Ladies and gentlemen, when you need somebody to understand, I'm going to try. And I hope you'll try. But ultimately, you want to know who you can go to? You can go to Christ. You can go to your great high priest who totally knows what it's like to experience joy and, of course, sorrow. We can hold fast here this morning because we're being sanctified through the gifts of joy trials of sorrow and experiences that bring us pain. 
And because God himself dwells in us, dwells in the believer, he also guides us and he protects us and he cares for us. We rejoice because we have an eternal joy in his glorious presence that is ahead of us. He's going to continue the work that he started on us. And so here's my question for us this morning. Who on this Mother's Day, you can make this generalized, but who on this Mother's Day can you rejoice with? And then also, who can you weep with? Who can you weep with? Who can you rejoice with? Who can you realize we're one body? Man, I might be I might be weeping right now. There might be a whole lot of longings and desires in my life that I feel like are going unmet and I'm mourning this. But God, you sure have blessed them. Mother's Day, you've blessed them with children. I'm going to rejoice on their behalf. And I know you all did when we honored them. But I know how hard it is. And so someone asked me, hey, Pastor, have you, have you thought about, you know, just giving, giving a flower to everybody? I, I, get, I get the premise. But then I think we would miss Romans 12, 15. Because I believe even if we're doing without, we still should be able to honor and celebrate those that are being blessed at that time. And so that's our message today. For no matter where you're at on each side, who can you help? Can you weep with somebody? Or if you're weeping, can you rejoice with somebody? Every head bowed, every eye closed.